Well, good morning, and welcome each one to the service here this morning. Thank you for them songs, and thank you all for singing. It sounded uh, beautiful. Are you guys, are you aware that there's more than one way to use a GPS? Some of your minds are spinning. You think, how difficult can it be? Let me explain. First of all, I'm going to explain to you how my wife uses a GPS. So uh, she enters the address. That's usually the first step. And then she makes sure the voice promptings are turned on. Might I add, turned on with plenty of volume. And away she goes. She follows, and this is, she is not here this morning, so I'm not picking on her. She knew this was going to happen. But she follows the directions on her GPS to the T. Everything, taking every road it tells her to take and never questioning the route. So that's one way you use it. You plug it in, you enter your address, and as it says, so shall I do. And that's how she prefers to drive. And as far as I know, she always finds her, uh, her desired destinations. Sometimes, if there's a passenger or two in the vehicle work with her, uh, the request is made, could you turn that down or turn it off? And she says, no, that's how she drives. She drives with that on. And not every day, but if she's trying to find a new address that she's never been to before. And... That's how she uses her GPS. And there's another way to use it. Well, I guess you could call it two ways, and it's the way that I use it. I use it most days, but a different way. First of all, I enter the address as well. So we're, uh, we're on the same page there. We both enter the address, and away we go. But after I enter the address, some things change. First of all, my GPS voice promptings are muted. I, I, I don't like to have a device sitting on my dash tell me where to go. <laughs> if, if the voice promptings are on, those who drive like that, and that's okay. There's no salvation issue based whether you do this or which way you listen to it. But if they are turned on, it might tell you three times, you know, in, uh, in a half a mile, turn left. In a quarter mile, turn left. In 300 feet, I, it's simply too much talking for me, and my, my, my GPS is silent. The next thing, my GPS, with my GPS, uh, I do keep it updated, but I question it. I, I don't follow it and believe everything, everything it, it, it tells me. If I need to know the route, it's going to take me on. And if it's not the preferred route, I'll go the way I like to go, and sooner or later, the GPS recalculates, and then, for the most part, I will, I'll follow it. I travel with, with the GPS on, on the dash. I don't use the one on my phone because the one on the dash is plugged in. I don't have to worry about the battery as much. But there are times if the GPS on my dash says go this way, I'll put the same address in my phone and compare back and forth, and I'll pick the best route. Because some ways, some roads that it takes you, I prefer not to travel on. So you could ask... Why do you question the GPS? And I do, I question it because it's not always accurate. Sometimes my GPS seems to be slightly confused. And this is what it, occasionally, uh, we live here in, in Kleinfeldersville, and if I want to take a Pennsylvania turnpike, you go down, go to Adamstown, get on turnpike, you can go east or west or wherever you want to go. But sometimes the GPS tries to take me to the maintenance shed on, in Bowmansville, which is where the state police troopers sit, and it says get on the, on the turnpike there, which you cannot actually do that. So that's the reason that 
the GPS is not always accurate, and I question it. And that's just an illustration about our driving and how we, we drive. But turn to the subject of the Word of God. And how closely do we follow the Word of God? Do we follow it like Mary follows the GPS? Exactly, exactly what it says, to the T, never doubting. And when it comes to the Word of God, this is the way we're supposed to follow the, the truth. Or do, do we question its authority? Like I question the GPS. Do we ignore the parts that we don't agree with? Do we try to locate shortcuts or better, faster routes as we go through life? And like I said before, the way you choose to follow GPS is not going to change your eternal destiny, but we need to be careful with the way that we read the Word of God. Are we united on the fact that this, the Word of God is our final authority? What is our attitude towards God's laws, towards His standards, His commandments, and His requirements? Last Sunday... Uh, the question was asked, who are you listening to? And we could look at that from a different angle. Do we listen to, to talk show hosts on the radio? And I'm not saying if you do, that that's all bad. But, but we need to be careful because that's man's opinion. And there's a big difference between the word of God and man's opinion. We need to be careful. As we meet and talk to... Uh, Others during the work week, what happens is we quickly discover, at least I do, there are varied opinions concerning the pandemic. And I'm going to spare the details, but I think, I think we all are aware of that. We talk about that a lot. But when we, we hear these varied opinions, to sum it up, there's confusion in our world today. And I, I believe many people are out there looking for answers and for truth, but they can't seem to find it. Or when you're talking about truth, many don't know what it looks like if they could find it. It's a kind of a sad picture due to the confusion that there is out there. In John 38, you don't have to turn there because uh, the message, the text is going to be taken from Matthew 5 this morning. But in John 38, Pilate asked Jesus a question that we repeat from time to time. Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? And that is the title for the message this morning, What is Truth? If you read the account in Matthew 27, and I have a few verses we're going to read just shortly, but I think Pilate was confused with what was going on. So on one side, you have the Jews trying to tell him what to do. Then his wife sends word to him and says, have nothing to do with his righteous man. The Jews are saying one thing, his wife trying to say another thing. And in, in the midst of it all, Pilate wanted to release Jesus. But the Jews insisted that Jesus be crucified and demanded that he release Barabbas. So, confusion. A few verses, Matthew 27, 24 to 22 to 24. Pilate saith unto them, which is, would be the Jewish, the Jewish people at this time, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called to Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And Pilate come back and said, why? Question mark. Then he said, what evil hath he done? Notice the confusion that was happening. But they, they cried out the more saying, let him be crucified. Then Pilate, when he saw that he could prevail nothing, but that it, rather a tumult was made, he took water, 
washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Not saying this morning that Pilate did everything right, because we know different. Just reading what the Word of God says there. Then Pilate's question, what is truth, actually reflected the scorn of his day and of ours today as well. What is happening today in our world? Skeptics are, are we're teaching that truth is unknowable. So basically, truth, you can't know it. And therefore, it's just a matter of opinion. Caution. Remember, man's opinion versus the word of God. We have to be careful. So if such thing as absolute truth existed, there would be no way to know it. And that's why there's so confusion, so much confusion in the world today, and thus the recipe for Pilate's confusion and also for the, for the multitude. Interestingly enough, when Pilate asked Jesus a question, what is truth? We all know this morning know the answer, that truth was standing right beside him, and he couldn't even see it. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We find truth right here in Christ and right in the word of God. Are, are there times... When we ask the question, what is truth? But in the day of confusion that we're in, I think we're blessed to know where we can find truth. And we can go to the answers for truth. Go to the Bible for truth. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. Remember that one. Take that one with you. Every word of God is pure. In the day when we're not sure what to believe, the word of God is pure. It says, he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. So what are we going to believe? I'm going to quote from Answers in Genesis. And I quote, The secular world has been teaching that the earth is billions of years old. And if you've ever been to museums and stuff, where you walk through looking, you'll see that comes across. Billions and billions of years ago. That's secular world teaching that. Now, the Bible, back to quoting here, the Bible based on genealogies recorded throughout the scripture and the context of the Hebrew word yom, which is day, in Genesis 1, reveal that the earth is thousands of years old. Around 2,000. That's where we're at here today. So the question becomes a biblical authority issue. Is one going to trust a perfect God who created all things, Genesis 1.1, has always been there, Revelation 22.13, Knows all things, Colossians 2, 1 to 3, and cannot lie, Hebrews 6, 18. Are we going to believe a God who knows all things, and I, I, different things I just mentioned there, or are we going to trust imperfect and fallible mankind who was not there when the earth was created and speculates on the past, end quote. Brothers and sisters, in a, in a day that we're living in, you can jump online and you can go all over the place. As you see, FYI, I just did that with Answers in Genesis. I believe that was, that's a truth right there from the Word of God. You can listen to different people and your mind can be spinning. And you might say, what is truth? Where are we at? What should I believe? So-and-so said this and so-and-so said that. What? You know, folks, it comes back to the Word of God. We need to start right here. Does what you're hearing, what people are saying, line up with the ultimate truth, the authority of the Word of God? You know, today, we do find ourselves, at times, sifting through information. And you know, sometimes up to us to decide, 
what is this true or is that true? I hope this is the truth. But that's not the way it is with the Word of God. It's pure. It's free from all impurities. Today, if you're watching the political world at all, so-and-so said this, so-and-so said that, the news said this, the news said that, be careful. Be careful. Go back to the Word of God where we can find, we can take the authority of God's Word at face value when we read it. We can live it and we can apply it to our lives and there'll be no doubt and no confusion. Do we recognize Scripture as God's holy word? Written for you and me today. The Bible tells us for, it's for instruction in righteousness. The Bible is our handbook to keep us on the path to righteousness. Is that what we're doing? Where are we taking, getting our information? God has given us clear direction. God has given us precise lines which we're to follow. Plus, we have the voice of the Holy Spirit, our conscience, which prompts us from time to time. So I come back to the word confusion. Why the confusion in our world today when God has provided such clear direction? And I would, if I open it up, we probably have, all have a number of answers. I'm just going to come up. I'm going to give you two reasons why the confusion uh, in the world today. Number one, people question the authority of God. Like I question my GPS. If I would just follow that, yeah, it might get me there sometimes later than what I'd like to be, but I'd probably eventually get me there. But I question it. Is that what we do here to the Word of God? No, we cannot question the Word of God. That's what's happening in our world today. They like to take their preferred route, come back to what I said that I like to do. They ignore the voice promptings. I said, I turn mine off. And please don't call me heathen. I'm talking about my GPS, not my spiritual life. Then they follow the Word only when it pleases them, when it fits their agenda. But question the word of God started way back in Genesis 3. Hath God said? Or did God really say that? We talk about that a lot. That's where the questioning started. And from there grew reasons of doubt. And people reject what God indeed had said. Ever since the serpent said to Eve, indeed hath God said, the word of God has been questioned and attacked. Why? The, the serpent's words focus on two important elements, the Bible's accuracy and the Bible's authority. And brothers and sisters, if you anything in this world today, please do not question the Bible's accuracy and the Bible's authority. Question these two elements is will do nothing but take us away from God and lead us to the path of destruction. So one of the reasons why there's so much confusion, people are questioning the authority of God. And I was blessed this morning in our Sunday school lesson, the boldness of Peter and John. I think we all understand what I'm talking about. Sitting there with the authorities and the rulers, and, they, and, and they, Peter said, you guys killed Christ. The stone which you guys sent him at naught, but he became the head of the corner. The second reason for confusion in our world today, and I believe, is the lines have been moved. And let me explain. God drew lines, but man has moved them. Consider the lines God drew uh, for marriage. So go in the New Testament, look at the lines God put down for marriage, and then compare them with the way our world is today. God's line for headship. God's line for respect for authority, referring to the police officers and government officials. And that's another subject. 
And as I was studying, the question came up, did the pandemic move the lines and now we're living in a new normal? I don't think so. Consider God's line for for non-resistance. Consider God's line for, for love for our enemies. Go back to Exodus, consider God's line in the Ten Commandments. Now I'm going to pick out the one and talk about it a little bit later or refer to it. Thou shalt not kill. You know, there are many lines, we could go on, there are many lines that God set in place. And, and God set them in place to keep you and I on the straight and narrow. Because he wants us to be with him. He didn't put his lines in place so man moves them as they please. So there were lines that were set in place back in the Old Testament. I referred to them in the Ten Commandments. Did the New Covenant do away with the, old, with the Old Law, with the Old Testament Law? And for the answer for that, let's go to our text in, in uh, Matthew 5. Matthew 5, going to read verses 17 through 20. The question is, did the New Testament law do away with the old? Matthew five seventeen. Jesus speaking here, Sermon on the Mount. He said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to, do, to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, the answer to the question is no. The New Testament covenant did not do away with the Old Testament law. Jesus is stating here that he has no, no intention of contradicting the, uh, Moses' law, even though he did oppose the way the scribes emphasized in their days strict legal accuracy outwardly. You had to make it look good, but they clearly missed the inward point of holiness. But he did not do away with the old law. Not trying to do away with any part of the Bible, but his purpose for coming was to bring out the full meaning of Scripture. So through uh, Jesus' life and his ministry, his ultimate plan was to bring scriptures, the Scripture to their completion, which is exactly what Christ accomplished. Like he states, he came to fulfill the law and the prophets, that is, to reveal full-depth meaning that the law intended to hold. A lot of things that were unknown, but Jesus came to reveal a lot of that. And then to drive a point home even further yet, he says um, that before the end of time, the entire law is going to be fulfilled, even down to the smallest dot or part of the law. Nothing's going to be overlooked. And might I add, as long as time will stand, the lines will not be moved. When God set the, set the lines in place, they are not going to be moved. Familiar verse in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And we're blessed, grateful, and thankful for that fact that we know that Jesus is not going to change. But this verse also applies to his laws and his commands. There's not going to be a changing as generations pass. Nothing's going to pass from the law until all is fulfilled. And what we see is the final authority. God's word is sure. God's word is steadfast and unchanging and where do not move the lines that God has set in place because he know, that God has put there because he knows where they were originally. Where are we at? Do we like to take the law of the lines God has set in place and bend them or push them to make it fit our agenda? And I trust that we do not. Hebrews, I'm sorry, Revelation 22 tells us very clearly, do not add and do not subtract. I read two verses. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. I'm in Revelation speaking about the Bible. He says, if any man shall add unto these things, what's going to happen? The result, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. There's a negative side. We add or we will be punished. If any man shall take away from the words of the prophet of this book, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, and from the things that are written in this book. No multiplication with God's word. We're not going to add to it. We're not going to subtract from it. We're going to follow it. God said if we don't, the punishment is listed there in Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. So the first point there was to all be fulfilled. The second point here is moving the lines. From verse 19, the first part. And here we see a sad picture. Those who break one of these least commandments and teach men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But we're here to, to break God's commands. He says those who bend or twist and then pass their warped theology on to others. And they're going to be considered the least in the kingdom of heaven. The New Testament also gives us clear direction and warning about deception. Telling us that we're what we're going to encounter. And those people fit in to the picture here in verses 19. I, I will admit, I, I look in, uh, interested in a little bit of uh, information there and answers in Genesis' website. Another little quote here. The devil has been able to convince generations of people that the written word of God cannot be trusted. That's sad, but it's true. Convince de- uh, generations of people. And they go on to say, particularly beginning in the book of Genesis. But Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is the word of God. Brothers and sisters, we need to carefully handle the word of God. Consider it as a razor-sharp weapon. Then we use in scripture to divide deception from truth as we press on and stand strong. Thinking of the word of God, there are a number of ordinances in God's word, practices that he has set in place to maintain order in the church, to give us guidance through life, to keep, keep our lives in order, to help us live in peace, and primarily so we can follow his example. Speaking of the ordinances, how many ordinances are in the word of God? And the next question is, can you name them? Okay, there's seven. Can we name some? Marriage. Thank you. 
communion, which would include baptism and, and uh, I'm sorry, I, got you, I gave you another one, feet washing, yes, okay? It is, Dan, the holy kiss. I said baptism, some of that communion, feet washing, the holy kiss, marriage. Anointing with oil, we got six, we got one more. Bailing. Thanks, Zach. I'm impressed. Thank you. Yes. So God put these in place to keep us in line, so we practice what he set in place, and to keep order. I repeat, baptism, communion, feet washing, the Christian woman's failing, the holy kiss, anointing with oil, and marriage. And we were blessed to witness baptism this past Wednesday evening with Rachel and Leah, and looking forward to communion feet washing in two weeks, Lord willing. But God has set them in place for us to follow. And it's a beautiful and exciting time in the church when we follow his commands, his example, and obey his commands. 1 Corinthians 11, the veiling. Headship. Think about it for a moment. God's design. What for? Order. Power. Protection. Submission. And we could go on. But it's not something that we can view as an option, but it's a command from God. Do, do we take this two-edged sword and cut out parts? We do not. God said it, and this is the authority that we stand upon, and this is what we're going to believe. Recently, at a Mennonite function, there were unveiled women. I'm making it pretty vague because I don't want to draw any attention to what the account was. But unveiled women, most of which I did not know. But later, some were playing the Mennonite game. You all know about this. And I discovered that a lot of these unveiled women I'm talking about had conservative parents and I the burden come across my shoulders and I asked the question this morning what happened what happened I also asked were the lines moved so think about it some people may look to the the parents to blame or they quote Proverbs 22 6 but we need to remember as children turn into adults we're aware that we can always point the finger at their parents so I asked some questions did God really say that women need to be veiled? Is, is this teaching for us today or was it solely for the early church? And we, we know the answer. But in, in uh, verse 19 of Matthew 5, Jesus said, Those who reject the word of God are going to be considered least in the kingdom of heaven. I come back to the question for the title, What is truth? And the word of God is the absolute and final truth. And there's a blessing for all those who obey. Earlier, I mentioned God placed lines for non-resistance, for, for loving enemies, and the commandment that we are, are not to kill. And I, I got a, a shock this week, not electrical shock. Tuesday morning, I was at, in, in West Virginia, and uh, there's a church down there. I wanted to put up a pavilion for outside meals and so on. So I was meeting there with the pastor and uh, trustees. And uh, long story short, they told me that last Sunday, a week ago, a man came to to their church causing a disturbance. And they gave it in detail. But the way they described the man was high on drugs, kicking, yelling, screaming, and carrying on. Then the pastor, incidentally, I mean, interestingly enough, it was Pastor Mike, Sorry, Mike. The pastor said that the man left when one of the guys pulled out a taser. And the conversation continued, 
And the man that he said pulled the taser was standing right beside me. Then later in the conversation, I said, uh, his name was Dave. I said, Dave, why do you carry a taser to church? I, I couldn't get over this. I'm, I'm at a church, and it's along a, a road, probably about like 501 here, and he carries a taser. And Dave said, oh, he said, it wasn't a taser. I didn't ask any questions, but you know, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't a taser. The man carries a handgun to church. And then they go on to say, yeah, he said, we have a, a seven-man safety team. Maybe I should have been bold like Peter and John. I was in a way because I said to the one guy, would you shoot me? And he went on to tell me, explain that. I said his name. I said to him, I said, would you shoot me if I would, uh, I forget, would you shoot someone? I think is how I worded it. I said, I'd be careful. I said, Pastor Mike's standing right here. We're standing this far away from him. And he backs up. He says, well, he says, if you cross that line. And then the conversation, I, I left it at that. And I was shocked. And I told my brothers this morning, I'm still shocked. Do we have a seven-man safety team? No, and we're not going to put one in place. Does it work? Did, what is, have lines been moved? Jesus said he teaches us non-resistant. He teaches us love for enemies. He teaches us thou shalt not kill. That goes back in the Old Testament. What is happening? The pastor didn't say a whole lot. I'll, say, I'll put it that way about the conversation. One man said, I don't trust anybody. He said, a little more volume than that. I'm just telling you an example that, uh, of what happened. And there I was at a church where they worship God. I ask again, what is truth? Have the lines been moved? What was Jesus referring to in, Matt, in verse uh, 19 when he said, whosoever will break one of these commandments? And I ask again, are the lines being moved or is man adjusting the lines to justify their deeds and their actions? So what we see happening excuse me, around us is alarming. But let's ask the real question, and that is for us this morning. How are we handling and responding to the word of God? Are we upholding God's commands? Bring us to the third point, and that is... Uh, to do and teach. Verse 19, the last part. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He gives us warning in the first part of the verse, and it comes back with the blessings. Those who do. And here we see obedience, complete submission and adherence to all scripture, recognizing scripture as God's final word and authority. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Brothers and sisters, let's read and apply these standards to our lives. 1 John 5, as far as keeping his commands, but this we know that we Love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome to us. And I trust that's where each one of us we are at this morning. We, look, we take the word of God and it's not, oh no, must I do this? But we obey because we love. He goes on and says, he wants to take it to the next step. We do. And then we also he say, do and teach. What's the best way to teach? The way Jesus taught, by example. So brothers and sisters, it's not do as I say, but rather do as I do. Follow 
my command. And we know that Jesus is our great example. And we can see his example in many ways, but coming back to the ordinance of communion and feet washing, it's such a beautiful picture. Jesus showed the disciples how, then he told them just to go and follow my example. Are we passing on the truth to our people that we come in contact with as well as our families? In Proverbs, we're told to teach our children. We know the story well there, the verse. And in the Great Commission, we're told to go and baptize. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus saying, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What did he command us to teach? He commanded us to teach Everything. Jesus said, all things, the word of God. What's our responsibility? We are to do and to teach. He didn't say divide and remove parts that don't pertain to our day. But he said, do and teach. And the blessing is those who do so will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So there may be two, there may be more ways to follow the GPS. But when it comes to following the word of God, we need to be careful that we don't second guess it. Is that really true? Because that is the truth. We don't, need to be, we don't want to question it. We don't want to compare it with man's opinion or which one, and then decide which one to follow, which one best fits our situation. But follow it to the T, listening to the voice promptings, whether it's like the Holy Spirit telling you, giving you direction, then carefully maneuvering every crossroad that we travel through. So what is truth? In conclusion, John 1.17 the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus says he is the truth. He is the truth, and his word is given to us so we can know him. In the, in the day of voices and confusion, church, we need to rise up. Take a stand. Read the word of God as truth and final authority, and then press on in faith looking forward to the day when we can meet Jesus in the air. A quote from Billy Graham from the Hour of Decision sermon in November 8th, 1959. One of the greatest, I quote, one of the greatest needs in the church today is to come back to the scriptures as the basis of authority and to study them prayerfully with dependence on the Holy Spirit for interpretation. And Billy was right. Amen. We need to come back to the base of the scriptures. He continues, let the word of God burn in your souls. It is when we fill our hearts with his word that we overflow into the lives of others. And what a profound truth. And I trust that's where we are at this morning. We think about the authority of the word of God. I'm going to close with three verses. Number one, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God was there through it all. God is our final authority. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And John 3.21, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. This morning, I trust we'll take the word of God and just stand upon it. Not wavering, like the psalmist talks about, like a tree, but planted and growing in the truth. That when people come to us with questions, that we can answer them and give them the truth. Let's not question and doubt, but believe and follow. Let's pray.
Lord, we just come before you here this morning say thank you, God, for your holy word. And I pray for each soul here this morning, Lord, that we can just take the word and apply it directly to our hearts and lives and live according to its truth. Thank you, Lord, for uh, inspiring men to write this, the Bible, so that we can base our lives upon it. Give us wisdom and direction. Forgive us the areas where we have failed. And help us, God, just to press forth, letting our light shine for the world to see. Dismiss us with your blessing. In the name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving.